don't think consumers differentiate between 85 95 and 90 people only differentiate between 0 and 100 at the top there's only room for one right i believe in india 80% of celebrity usage in advertising that i see is not thought creating is easy what to create is a million dollar question hi You're listening to Marketing with Vani in which I speak to marketing gurus. Together we decode how marketing works in the real world to grow your business. Is voice set to become bigger than video? Podcasts are easy to listen to anytime, are less demanding on the senses and don't have a high production cost. In this episode, Vani chats with Susan Diaz. Susan is the founder of C Plus P Digital, a Toronto-based content marketing agency that specializes in podcasting. She shares why podcasting can be a great marketing tool for content creators, marketers, entrepreneurs, and anybody trying to connect with the audiences. Listen on. So, Susan, why don't you just start by telling us what you do and how should the listeners in this part of the world how should they relate with you my name is susan tias and i'm the founder and ceo of a content marketing firm called c plus p digital our deep niche is podcasting so podcasting i'll often say is the hill that i would die on we are based in toronto canada but we work with clients all over the world like how do listeners in a different part of the world relate with me is a good question i'd say some of the things we were talking about especially post pandemic have become entirely global right it's the same things that we're practicing regardless of where we are with some of the abilities to travel as you work and work from anywhere obviously there's tax implications and things but with that kind of ability to move around i think it's opened a lot of boundaries in our minds in addition to opening up borders and things so how do people relate with me i'm like see what you can pick up from this discussion as it relates to publishing like as it relates to podcasting in particular is what i would say wow fantastic so you tell me this you you made this very interesting comment you said podcasting is the hill that i'd want to die on what is it about podcasting why this intense love for podcasting what is it that you find so exciting about it and i'm assuming you're making a living off this tell us uh, why should people like us why should marketers why should content creators why should people who are looking to relate with audiences why should they even look at podcasting as an effective marketing tool i think there's a few part that i'll answer that in first podcasting for me from a personal perspective it's not a journey that i came to easily even though i was reminded by members of my family that way back when i was in india and in university for a few years the way i made a living was as a radio jockey so i have some sort of background in the sound medium like some understanding of studios and how to do that so there is a personal connection as far as i was concerned it's just that i didn't think about that for a really long time and in my career as a marketer as i began in advertising then moved to corporate communications and podcasting was really not in its first avatar which is around 10 years or 15 years ago podcasting was very much like a specialist tool like it was for people to like record in studios it was treated very much like a tv show and i think that changed over the years so in 2018 i think my partner in the business will lamont 
was having a chat with me and he's like, I think we should make a podcast. And I said, no, I think we've got too much going on, like enough on our plates combined with just, I don't like it. I don't like the idea of putting myself on in, in the hot seat or in on the spotlight. And as an immigrant in Canada, if I might share with you the personal side of this, I'm relatively used to people commenting on my accent, commenting on how I sound, asking me where I am from, even if it's unsolicited. So that kind of makes you clam up a little bit, I think. And you don't want to, you don't want people to make comments about, it, comments about it and you just want your privacy. I can be a little bit of an introvert. So I was vehemently against it. And then Will continued to have a chat with me saying, I think we have to do something different. I think the opportunity is here. Why don't we just try? And we tried. And I have to say, it was one of those things which was like love at first recording. It felt easy. Just like this, you just show up, you have a discussion with someone. It's not really any different than having a meeting or having a catch up with a peer or an industry bud or someone. So I deeply enjoyed that part of it. In the beginning, much like we're doing right now, we recorded only audio. So that was a huge, I think, way to lower the barriers for, of entry for me because it meant you just had to focus on one thing. And so that was sort of the personal background of why it is that it felt relevant. Now, as for how it's changed, like during the pandemic, I think podcasting started to really find its groove. And uh, perhaps it had something to do with the fact that once you've seen everyone in their, their tank tops and their pajamas with their dogs and their children in the background, you start to get more chilled. So podcasting started to become your computer at home. If you want, you put on a video. I know that a lot of the bros <laughs> and the men in the industry will have large equipment and mics and headphones. But I got to be honest, during the pandemic, we completely dropped all that. So for the most part, it's one computer and, and one human being that you're having a conversation with. So that feels particularly simple for almost anyone. Now, what you do with it, I don't want to give the impression that the whole thing is absolutely easy. Now, what you do with that conversation, I think, is where the actual marketer role comes in. And I would say in terms of numbers in the podcasting world, you've still got about 3 million podcasts versus if you look at the closest alternative format, which is video, something like YouTube has 50 to 70 million videos on there. And so you're immediately competing in a smaller pool. But there are advantages of using voice. Like you also said, when you entered podcasting, it just felt and initially you were doing this without the video on. So it feels less intimidating. It's one less thing to do. You don't have to worry about, oh, what am I looking like? Do I have makeup on? Blah, blah, blah. You don't have to worry about what you're looking like on the screen. You just have to sound intelligent and you're on. Now, in that sense, podcasting is a lot easier. In fact, I also started podcasting during COVID times only. And I had advice by friends, even pre-COVID times, you know, that you should start a podcast. It's really picking up. And a lot of people actually listen while they're on the commute or even while they're walking or exercising. It's, it's very easy to listen to content when it's on a podcast. But I just, at that time, I felt, oh gosh, really, who really listens to sound? How boring is it to have someone talking to you into your ear? Just didn't feel like it was worth all of the effort to start recording a podcast. And then suddenly, quite suddenly, in this part of the world, Susan, it seemed like everybody's doing a podcast. And, and everybody seemed to be advertising a podcast and everybody wants to be on the podcast. And 
So it seems as though now voice is fast catching up with video. And maybe part of the reason also is that it is less laborious on the senses, even in terms of being able to commute to consume content. I don't have to hold the phone in front of me. I don't have to see the video that's going on. The phone can sit in my pocket and I can plug my earphones and I'm listening to something. And it doesn't have to be only educational content. It could well be a story that I'm listening to. So is this something that you're seeing as well? That voice is actually catching up to the status or to the wide appeal of video? I think so. I think it's still smaller than video was. Video seems to have been one of the longest love affairs for marketers. And as it should be, it's great. It allows you to get body language and understand the mood and the tone and all of that. But that said, there is an element of preparing for it, like you said. Like we, we all get ready to be in a video. You make sure that your background is respectable in some way and stuff. So with the audio, you're 100% right. I think one of the benefits is the passive listening ability. So whether it's a shower or while cooking or while driving, and people said that it would go away during the pandemic because people weren't commuting as much. And that's actually the opposite of what happened. It went up from 900,000 podcasts to 2 million or so during that time. And I think essentially that passive listening is definitely one of them. And you touched on the point of neurodiversity over there with like different people like to consume content in different ways. I think we're in a time where there's a higher state of consciousness. People are aware of that. Someone like me, I find the lack of distractions on multiple levels like such a blessing. I find the ability to control the speed at which I can listen to things to be helpful. I find being not held hostage, like with a video, like you said, recently, yes, people have started putting captions and even auto-generating captions. But before that, you had to literally put the volume on and watch it. And that wasn't the easiest for some people. Like a little bit more inclusiveness has come out. And then the other point, I think, is for audio content. As marketers, maybe we haven't fully understood how to utilize this just yet. But the rise of the voice machine, like the speakers, the smart speakers, like the Googles and the Alexas that many of us tend to have, And the fact that if you look at the next generation, like my daughter is 11 years old and she only ever uses that format of search. She's always asking the devices questions as opposed to typing it out into a search bar, perhaps like earlier generations did. And I think that having a podcast puts you into a position where you have a body of work in the audio medium, which just allows to be able to take advantage of those things as they come. Very nice. Very nice. In fact, you said about your daughter, I see that audio as a medium is finding greater charm and greater traction with the younger audiences, which is like your your daughter and my son, for example, he's 13, as well as the older generation, which is my parents, for example. My mother is talking into the phone all the time. So my mother is talking into the phone all the time. My son is talking to various devices. And uh, I feel that it's easier to actually type into the search bar because I don't want to all make it public as to what I'm searching. So if there's an element of privacy that, that the Google search bar allows you when you're, when you're typing stuff into it. So yeah, so I think it's basically audio has skipped one generation. 
which is the dinosaur us. Yeah. But I will not let it pass, apparently. Kicking and screaming, I will enter the fray. <laughs> okay. You talked about how marketers haven't fully understood how they can use podcasting as a medium. To talk about a little more about that, Susan. I think this is a hugely under-leveraged medium for the purposes of marketing. And help us through maybe some of the maybe some of the work that you do. How can one better use this medium? to create equity for one's own brand? I like that question. I'm going to probably talk way too much in answer to it, but here it goes. And number one, I think we've got to think about it as like a platform, an arena or a stage that you have that you can invite people to. And I often will say that podcasting is like the Trojan horse of the sales discussion. So if you think about the full journey of getting someone to be interested in your brand and then want to work with you and eventually sign up to work with you and then hopefully stay working with you, there's a lot of times that you have to bring the right people to the table to have discussions with. And I feel like in in a podcasting medium, the number one thing to think about is, are you interviewing the right ideal client profile. So the type of guests that you talk to must include or even have a majority of the type of person that's going to eventually work with you. And the reason for that is not because you want to be like hitting on your guests and saying, hey, start working with me. That completely defeats the purpose. It's much more of understanding the workings of that category. It's understand and it's being able to have a discussion, discover their pain points. It's the ability to use that as a showcase so that other brands who are in the similar category will see that discussion and say, huh, sounds like I should have a chat with this particular podcast host because that kind of stuff made sense to me, right? So the first thing I think that marketers need to think about is the calendar of who you're, who you're interviewing and how it fits back to your strategic goals in terms of who you want to reach out to. And then once you've done that and you've got the right sort of people on your podcast, I think people tend to treat things like podcasting or even longer shows, which are on video or webinars, they treat it like it's one and done. So you got it. Let's say you've got a podcast episode that goes out on a Monday. You'll find marketing teams will release it on the Monday. Perhaps they'll release it one or two more times over the course of that week and the next week. And then it's pretty much forgotten and people... Assume, yeah, it's up there on Apple or Spotify or wherever it is. People will find it. Just very much that attitude of if you build it, they will come. And I'm sorry to say that's not the case. We've all got so much clutter in our lives and you're completely overloaded from a sensory level as well as from an agenda level. And you therefore have to keep finding more and more ways to expose people to the material that that you've created. So in order to do that, I think marketers need to start thinking about various ways in which they can repurpose the content. So the average 30 minute to 45 minute conversation on a podcast can yield upwards of 25, 30 pieces of content. And what I mean by that is like at the very least, you're going to have one article which over has this overarching themes of the discussion. And then you can break that down into three or four, let's assume The standard discussion has an introduction of some sort, which puts a stake in the ground for what the subject is. Then maybe you're going deeper, two or three levels, two, three points that you're making. And then you have some sort of like end. So even if you're breaking it down into individual posts for thought leadership, whether it's on LinkedIn or an alternative medium, 
or becomes scripts for shorter videos. I think that's how you start to think to make it successful. You use that same material, you cut it up. You, I, see, I keep saying the transcript that comes from a podcast, which is essentially if you upload this discussion to any transcription tool, it gives you like three or four pages of text and that becomes the gift that keeps giving. There's so much you can do with that material. And then beyond, that's just literally like the tactical pieces that you're going to break out. Beyond that, like typically when you have a guest, you're immediately bringing another person into your perspective. That person is invested in this conversation. They're going to push it out. Their audiences are going to see the discussion. And that's, I think, the very first layer that marketers need to be thinking about is like full distribution and making sure that people consume the content is being created in order to be consumed. So that's the first layer. Then comes the next level, which is people will look at metrics and say, oh, 50. And I'll tell you, I did this as well, Vani. In the very first podcast, I had 50 people listen to it. And I was like, what a waste of time. Because the, uh, the standard email thing could have done this job, right? Like a thousand people would have read an email that we sent out or if we put it out on a different... So it felt like it was a lot of work for no reason, but I'm not one to just ditch something just because it feels hard. So we committed to doing it for like at least 12 episodes. So we did that. And then we started to realize that the real power is in the extended circle. So for example, we interviewed a few people and those people introduced us to some other people who ended up working with us. And then one of our existing clients at the time gave us a call and said, do you do podcasts for other people? And I was like, we do now because my mother didn't raise any stupid children. That kind of thing, I think, is where we started realizing that that's when I started calling it an iceberg. Like what you can see on the top is very little. It's just, it's the window dressing that you start to see and think about first. But underneath and the real power lies in the relationships that you build. And the fact that in a half an hour or one hour conversation, you really get to see people's brains and you start to know how they think a little bit. That's very, very well said. It's so true. Even after I started doing this podcast, I've had a lot of people writing into me about how they find the content to be of tremendous value. But I think the bigger part of it also is that, you know, we do business with people. And we trust our money with people we like. And and what this podcast medium does is over a series of episodes, as you keep hearing the person, and it's not just for the, the podcast host, it's even the podcast guest. You get a You start to understand what this person is about. You hear the voice, you hear the words they use. You can read emotions and fill in the blanks by the intonation of the voice. And with all of that, you get to know the person or their point of view on a subject. And then you say, yeah, that, uh, you know, a lot of what she said actually makes sense. I like the way she thinks or I like the examples she gave. I think she could be of great value in my business. And actually, even for me, this has become one of the primary mediums by which I'm able to get business leads. So I think it's, it's one of those tools, which is if one stays invested in, and it doesn't feel laborious, then it could be a great way of building equity with potential clients, of use of being able to showcase the work that you've done with current or past clients, of building relationships with listeners who could at some point in time drive business to you in different ways. For sure. And sometimes it's hard to say when that's going to come around as well. Like I used to say, I thought I initially I would feel like a D-list celebrity because 
I'm on the voice medium, but we had a whole lot of photos and you might have seen some of our cray cray photos that we used to promote our, because it's called the 4am report, our podcast. And we would use a lot of photos of what it is we would do if we were awake at 4am and worrying. And I would go to a couple of conferences and people would come up to me and say, I listen to your podcast all the time and I love your blah, 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 whatever. And I say, this is amazing. This, that I've never heard that about even my writing as someone who spent 20 something years writing in various platforms. Like I've never had someone seek me out and act as if they know me. And that's hopeful. Yeah. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Actually, it, the hearing someone's voice does that more than reading articles by that someone. Like I feel I know this person more intimately when I've heard this person speak rather than when I've just read a story or an article from this person. I want to ask you, Susan, why is your podcast called The 4AM Report? What is the story behind that? And again, that's something that my partner, Will Lamont, came up with and we immediately, instantly knew it was the name. It literally comes from the fact that we were like some serious stress balls and like in morning meetings, we would often hear one or the other of us on our team, a few of us, when we would chat, would be like, oh, I was up and I was thinking about this and I don't know what it is about 4am. And then if you look back into some of the like stories from Ayurveda and a few other Eastern philosophies, you'll notice that has something to do with the general state of your body and mind. And it's often linked back to liver because if you wake up at four in the morning, it could mean that you need some some general detoxing in life. And we would laugh about how it's because we drink way too much. And so all of those jokes are what rolled into this. And when we tested it with a few people, they it, it tested well. People thought it was a little obscure, like it could be every, anything. 4am report of what? And so that's why we said, what keeps marketers up at night was our subtitle. But yeah, that name stuck and it has declutter value, I think. Yeah, so that it makes people lean forward like you did now and say, what's the story behind it? And so we've always tried to to get that in the way that we name infrastructure properties, whether for ourselves or clients. And it also is different because if you look at the category that we compete in, in potentially North America, you'll find a whole lot of podcasts are named things like the B2B marketing show or the marketing in B2B or the B2B growth show. So it's very much named by category. And I think there's definite value to that because it immediately tells you who you're for and helps you get found from like a search perspective. But this was a different sort of let's go off down the creative path approach to our naming. Very nice. Very nice. Now, one thing I want to ask you, Susan, is I know you talk about this very passionately in all of the social media posts that you do. But talk to us specifically about how, what are the many different ways that one can use podcast as a medium. You talked about how you could get even 30 pieces of content from one single episode. Talk to me about that. So I want to learn from you, even of this episode, what are the 30 different things I could do with this episode? Help me learn. Yeah. Okay. So the main thing that you will obviously, the primary output is your sound file. So your one edited sound file, which you're putting out, and that is what we call the podcast episode. So that's your first piece. Now, beyond that, if you've got editing support and you're not going to be spending a whole lot of time on it, it's worth breaking up a few of those pieces. Now, as it stands now, audio pieces are not, it's not the most, it's not the easiest to distribute because you can't really, it's not like you can put it up on LinkedIn as an option, but it will come. 
Definitely using something like an audiogram, even if you don't want to use videos, cutting two or three of the interesting perspectives that you thought, like, for example, you know, where I said 30 pieces out of one or how to lower the barrier of entry, you might find some of those points are valuable for your audience. And then you can cut them out into 30 to 60 second audio clips. So I'd say doing a couple of those is a great idea. Then beyond that, you rely quite a bit on the writing that comes out of it. So let's repeat that point about like writing an article, like maybe writing a 500 word article about that. Potentially, I'm just going to make this up on the spot money. But, you know, why podcasting should be on your marketing plan for 2023? And then maybe you pull out three or four points and make that an article. And then in those three or four points, you break them up separately. You've seen how people use on social media things like carousels, individual like visual cards for promotion, that kind of thing, certainly using five or six of those. And the way that I would do it is not all at once. Like the way that people tend to think is like in cycle. Okay, I do two podcasts a month. And so for the two weeks immediately after the release, I'm just going to keep on talking about it and then it's over. I would say it needs to be slightly different. Like you take the one, each one of these pieces and you want to keep releasing it over a longer period of time. So in the first week, maybe you do it twice. In the second week, even if you have a new piece, you go back and release your old piece once and then you keep going at that pace for the next four or five. And then maybe in month two, you do it twice that month. And so with reducing frequency, you want to just keep on giving the material exposure. And in order to do that, you'll start to find having different visuals is super valuable. So I would say pretty much for each of these, that's one of the things we do is we focus on having quite a few different images, whether they're text-based image cards, whether they're the, the logo of the podcast plus a point or the host plus the point or the guest plus the point. You see where I'm going with that. Very nice. Very nice. I really like the bit about different images because you do want the reader or the user or the whoever your audience is to be able to look at this and say, hey, there's something new. I haven't seen this before. Okay, now there's something new again, which caught my attention. Doesn't shouldn't have to feel like, oh, I've seen this again. Oh, it's the same thing. Exactly. And the fact is, while I don't necessarily subscribe to the perspective that people have very short attention spans because I think we spend we spend time with the things that we want. That said, not everybody's going to jump right in and give you 30 minutes or 40 minutes of your time, of their time, unless they've been given something to whet their appetite. And I think that's what these like snippets do. If I'm like, oh, okay, I regularly hear from you about like two or three things that are building trust for me. I'm more likely to come in and spend time with you on the full podcast episode. Just like I said, build it and they will come is not a thing. We really have to bring people back to even listen to the episode, leave alone work with us. With that in mind, the more we're able to break it down. And then the other part is video. Like for those recording on video, I'm often surprised at how many people, ourselves included in the early days, wouldn't use the video because, you know, there's a degree of perfectionism or just a critical way that we look at ourselves that ends up getting in the way. And I really think we should get past that because video is one of those, like we said, if you've already got it there and taking out a one minute or two minutes snippet, it can seriously simplify your life. Like in our current marketing, if not for the fact that we pull out two or three video clips from each and every recording that I'm in, it would be really hard to fill my calendar because I am an entrepreneur. My days are full. I'm also a mom. I like friends. So if I have to find time to constantly and consistently create content, it has to be simplified systematically in this way. So 
I think thinking about how you can pick clips of video if you've got a video format is also an excellent idea. So with all that, I'd say if you've got about 10 images and you've got one article and about five or six snippets, so 10 plus 10, 20. And then if you do two or three videos and two or three audiograms, you see where we're going with the 25 pieces of content out of one. Fantastic. Absolutely. And, uh, and I really like what you said about don't try and aim for perfection with the video because we tend to be very self-critical of how we're looking and, and maybe this is not the right time for video. Maybe I'll do it another time when things are more perfect. But, but the important thing is to just get going. And sometimes actually it's in that little not so perfect is where people connect with you even more, isn't it? For example, the reason why podcasts also help build personality more than the written word is for just this reason, because I'm hearing you speak. So the brand you is automatically acquiring personality. It's acquiring tone of voice. And, and that's very valuable as compared to the written word. 100%. 100%. And it comes with greater ease. Like I said, as someone who's made a living from content marketing, obviously writing was my primary medium for many years. And I love it. I, I just finished my first book, which is called Unboring. And so I'm a deeply committed writer. That said, the process of turning out a thousand words of intelligent writing is hard versus being able to show up and have a conversation with someone for 30 minutes because we're so used to discussions in our daily life. The effort required is a lot less. People will argue with me and say that, oh, there's so much to a podcast. But seriously, I think pound for pound, Getting the content out is just easier in the audio medium. Absolutely. I find it so easy to have conversations, especially if it doesn't require too much prep. I wouldn't say it doesn't require any prep at all, but it's certainly not too much. Okay, I want to change gears a little bit, Susan. And this bit is about how can one use podcasting as an effective tool for B2B marketing. Do you feel that as a B2B marketing tool also, it's considerably under leveraged? Because B2B is also about establishing relationships and deeper relationships with a fewer number of people. It's also about staying invested in one's marketing efforts for a longer period of time because you don't know when your marketing efforts might fructify. It's a long gestation period. I find that, again, podcasting is not sufficiently talked. It's hardly talked about, actually, in the B2B marketing context. Is this something that you think we can do better? And how can one do this better? Have you used any of your own podcast episodes for this purpose? Or educated on how? To some degree, yes. I definitely think it's a highly valuable tool in B2B, maybe even more so than, than in B2C. And I'll tell you why. It's because it's got, how shall I say this? There's a, it's not about building audience in the B2B sort of space. It's much more about building those relationships. It's about like demand generation as the way you would refer to it in marketing terms is it's about creating that trust, getting people to know you. And one of the things that, that I think is really strong about podcasting thing is the fact that it's a piece of infrastructure. Now, B2B will often tend to function in campaigns or even B2C. Like it's very much, oh, we create something, we launch something, we talk about it consistently, or there's an upgrade or some features if it's in the SaaS context. And so it tends to be like new material created and then pushed out and then it's over and then you don't have a whole lot to show for it. Whereas if you look at it from the perspective of a podcast, that's infrastructure. It belongs to you. It has value. 
at the very foundational level, the name of the podcast, the fact that you're a host, the way that it looks, all of that is your brand. You own it by default. You should probably also consider making sure that you trademark it and like properly legalize the thing. But I think creating that piece of infrastructure is key because you will come to be known for that piece of infrastructure. And secondly, that point that I made about trying to bring your ideal client becomes so much more important in the B2B con. Like I can tell you that if you want to try and speak to like the C-level, any kind of C-suite in the large B2B firms, they're probably not going to chat with you easily. They're not going to find time for random discovery calls and sales calls. But if you invite them to talk about their perspective on a show like a podcast, come. I have asked people who are so far above my range in terms of the level where we're at. And they will say yes, because they want to talk to different people. They want to be heard by audiences. So I think that's the opportunity. Very nice. Lovely, Susan. Do you think it's, I mean, what we've, I, what we've covered is, of course, of great value. But is there anything else that you think we certainly must talk about? Maybe the one thing I would say is that you have to pay attention to your like personal inclinations. And hosting anything, whether it's a video show, an audio show, a webinar, it's not easy. It does require, Ani and I are making it sound like we wake up like this, but there is some degree of the fact that we love it and it comes easy to us. So I think maybe you should pay attention to that as well. Just because it sounds like a compelling case, don't jump into it. Do it only if it feels like something that you're like, oh, I just really think this could work for us because. And then that's when, like I told you in my past story, like that's when I'm like, oh yeah, I used to be on radio. Oh yeah, okay, maybe I can do this. So you got to have some innate interest in the thing. So don't force yourself into it because there's so many things you can do. Podcasting is definitely easy. It's definitely the right timing, but you got to love it. You're saying don't force yourself into it. Do it if you think that it makes sense. I mean, it has to come sort of naturally to you. There is a personality element to this for sure. If you're not comfortable having a, a meaningful conversation that sounds like it's flowing naturally and which would be a value to the listeners, then no, then podcasting isn't for you. No, it isn't. And it also has to fit into the marketing plan right? in the sense that like for me, it is the biggest part of the content that I'm making and the leads that I'm getting for business. It's a very large part of people getting to know me and figuring out what kind of stuff I feel passionately about. Kudos. You're a great host. Oh, you're so sweet to say that. But thank you so much, Corvin. <laughs> this episode was brought to you by Cherry Peach Plum. Vani and her team of marketeers and problem solvers at Cherry Peach Plum help businesses solve a wide range of growth challenges by utilizing proven marketing playbooks. Get in touch with us via cherrypeachplum.in if you want to take your brand to the next level. I hope you liked my show. And if you did, please do consider subscribing. I also have a YouTube channel by the same name, Marketing by Vani. Please do check that out too. Thank you. So I did screw up. My YouTube channel is called Marketing with Barney, the same name as this podcast. 